This is Bill Marshall, author of Pushing Against the Tide, my stage four metastatic cancer, body consciousness, and its underlying cause. Chapter 13, Attachments to Our Genuine Identity. Why bother with unearthing your genuine identity when you are comfortable in your own skin, and particularly when you are 76 years old? And what is our genuine identity? How you define yourself is based on attachments to your genuine identity. I already knew this before my body, in conjunction with my subjective awareness, beat down my door of awareness with stage 4 cancer. I thought I was pretty much through with my exploration of my own self-awareness. My cancer told me I was not. I also did not feel I was anywhere near punching my exit ticket, which was confirmed by Scotty in a conversation with Elias. Plenty of people choose illness as their exit vehicle, even if consciously they say they are not ready to go. This was not the case for me and many others who do not succumb to their illness. They, as with myself, have some heavy lifting left in front of us. The other reason I wanted to get to my genuine identity is because of the shift, which I will explain in more detail later. Make a list of how you define yourself. Hold nothing back, good or bad, because some attachments are beneficial. I doubt, however, that many of you would define yourself as part of a unified whole while experiencing yourself in this reality as also being separate. You might define an aspect of yourself as shy, strong, emotional, unlucky, a loser, a winner, independent, dependent, controlling, a quitter, kind, passionate, loyal, empathetic, productive, etc. The list is long. These are not who you are, but rather they are attachments and or influences to your genuine self that you have created by way of your experiences, both good or bad. Elias defines the genuine self in this way. You within yourselves incorporate the essence of yourself, which is your genuine self. Each is covered by the shell of attachments. Attachments incorporate their uses, but they are not to be mistaken as your identity, for they are not. They are not who you are. They may influence what you express or what you do, but they are not who you are. You are moving in the direction of expressing more from genuine self rather than from attachments and in the recognition of the genuine self and in the being of the genuine self and expressing from that beingness, you know you already possess all. Therefore, the passion 
and the motivation is not goal-oriented. It is generated very differently. It is not the attainment of what you do not have or what you do not possess or what you have not expressed yet. It is the movement and the choices of expressing any passion in new manners or in whatever manner you choose. End quote. In other words, it is the you that you were before coming into this most challenging reality where essence, soul, spirit has chosen to experience itself in the flesh. There's a subheading attachments. This is how Elias describes attachments. Attachments are beliefs that you use for guidelines. They are, in a manner of speaking, embellishments of a belief or an emphasis of a belief that you use as a guideline in relation to behavior and choices. Generally, the attachment is viewed as a benefit, and that is the reason that you adhere to them and you are generally more aware of the attachments, you see them. You see the benefit of what an attachment expresses, which is a guideline for a behavior in relation to a belief. You are so very accustomed to holding on to those attachments and moving in conjunction with them. It is the readjustment from that safety and that aspect of comfort and the attachments supporting you, but more than supporting you, dictating to you, and therefore very much influencing the choices that you generate. In that capacity, it is very similar to being told what to do in every step, in every direction, for many individuals being accustomed to that that also feels safe. It does not require them to be responsible for their own choices. In shifting, one great action that you are engaging is becoming aware of the difference in identity between attachments and your genuine self and what your genuine self is and therefore who you are as your genuine self without the attachments that you are familiar with that you have previously defined yourself within relation to who you are. An example of independence as one attachment and that there are influences of that attachment that may be hindering you. But there are also other influences that may you may choose to continue to engage, that you may actually appreciate certain aspects of this particular attachment, as with any attachment. But the point is, the recognition of attachments and therefore generating a new ability to see beyond those attachments that cover your genuine self in very similar manner to a shell. Most of your attachments are very strongly associated with all of your shoulds or must-bes. What you must be, 
what you must do, what you should be, what you should do are associated with your attachments. In this, you are beginning to recognize your attachments, whether you are analytically defining them or not. It matters not. You are addressing to them. In doing so, you are creating that direction of enacting your own ability to use them rather than expressing them in a matter in which they almost use you. You would not set into place attachments if you did not perceive them to be good or beneficial. Therefore, they do serve you. It is merely a matter of being aware of when it is serving you and when it is not. End quote. Think of attachments as clothing. You have a warehouse the size of Yankee Stadium from which to choose, but clearly you don't need all of them. You choose throughout your life, depending upon the season, your age, your job, your attachments, and your activities, and your tastes. This wardrobe will come to identify you as you. Let's say it's summer, it's hot, no clouds, and you head to the beach in your bikini. You forgot sunscreen and you're not paying attention. By the end of the day, you have second-degree burns all over your body and heat stroke. It is so bad, so traumatic, you are rushed to the hospital burn unit where they put you into an induced coma. Several days later, you wake up not remembering a thing about that day. You have become averse to the sun and begin wearing long sleeves and slacks year-round. You don't even think about it. If the sun is out, you are covered up. You don't know why. It's just the way you are. This is what trauma does. It supplants an acceptable behavior with one that doesn't serve you. Whether you remember that day or not, it becomes a part of who you are. In the same manner, my unremembered sexual assault formed attachments to my genuine self. If asked why I do or did some things, my answer would be, I don't know, it's just who I am. In fact, most of our identity that we recognize are actually attachments to our genuine identity. Some of these are what we call good and beneficial, while others can be quite detrimental. Generally, both the good and the bad drives our experience without even thinking about why we do what we do. We act automatically. We may be quick to anger. We may be emotionally muted. We may be quick to love and quick to hate. So much of who we think we are has been learned to the point that much of what we have learned has been become completely automatic, without thought. When an action becomes automatic, we are no longer the captain of our own ship. We are on autopilot, and freedom of choice is lost. Since our genuine self, our essence, abhors an absence of choice, it lets you know through the emotion of anger. 
Since this has been going on since the beginning of the human race, we have forgotten who we are and have allowed our attachments to define us. Thus we choose some things but not all things. There are things we must do and things we must not do. Anything that blocks choice is not part of our genuine self. To peel off these scales of the dragon will reveal not a dragon, as Alan Watts once described us, but as a godlet. Another heading is addressing the traumatic attachments. Once one is aware of uh, a trauma or abuse, either as victim or perpetrator, you can be sure at least one attachment has been created. Invariably, that attachment to the genuine self is invisible, even if the memory that created it is not. Many times, since so many of us have either experienced as victim or perpetrator such abuses that they have become normal behavior, an unkind word either given or received, especially when a child, is an abuse to the genuine self. For instance, scolding a child as in, if you don't finish your dinner, starving people in Africa will die. Or, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, will create an attachment. In the first example, it might result in overeating, for fear of not finishing a meal could result in harm to another. The attachment might be that I am obese, In the second example, the child may grow into a parent that believes that spanking is a legitimate form of discipline as long as he or she suffers more than the child when delivering the punishment. This may be true for that parent, and she would have no idea where that idea came from. The attachment might be, everything I do is for your own good. This is how Elias explains addressing to an attachment. Addressing is the action of looking at an experience. That's the first part of addressing, actually looking at an experience, and in that moving in a direction in which you are acknowledging the experience and then beginning to take steps in relation to genuinely learning to cope with the experience. This is me talking now. This was the first step I took in coming to grips with my unlocked sexual trauma at age eight. Back to Elias. Now, coping with an experience requires the individual to not only acknowledge that the experience happened or that the trauma happened, but to also look at the different aspects of the trauma. This is me talking now. After getting what the cancer was trying to tell me, and after the memory was unlocked by Scotty, I quickly acknowledged the trauma as happening. The aspects of the experience, as you might imagine, were fear, pain, shock, shame, betrayal, and others. Now back to Elias. Addressing to is moving through that entire process. Now, there are two parts of addressing to. There is the objective part, and there is the subjective part. 
The subject part is most of the work in a manner of speaking. The subjective awareness moves in the direction of expressing the identification of the experience and moving in the direction of identifying not only the participants but the experience itself and what the implications of the experience are. This is me speaking now. I identified the perpetrator and the experience and quickly accepted both. Remember, acceptance means non-judgment. It does not mean I have to like what I accept. I don't. The implications were another story. As I write this currently, I have 68 years of hidden implications. But day by day, as I review my life, they surface. You can go back to chapter 4 to see what this horrific locked memory did to my life. All of which I assumed was normal at the time. Back to Elias. The objective part of addressing too is the objective recognition of an experience of trauma. The defining of that which might seem elementary to you but for people that have experienced trauma they don't always identify or define their experiences as trauma. Therefore, that's a piece of addressing to, is defining the experience as an experience of trauma, then moving in objective choices to be generating, reconnecting what has been disconnected in relation to the experience of trauma. This is the part which we engage the exercise to put back together the memory and the feeling. This is me again. Reconnecting my fits of anger, shame, and all the other feelings I cited in chapter 4, and connecting their genesis to my trauma were aha moments for me. Living what I thought of as a normal life until I came across the Seth and Elias information was peanuts compared to what I discovered from my body consciousness in creating my cancer. That was more of a WTF moment. Back to Elias. You may not be analyzing the attachments. You may not necessarily be evaluating them and specifically defining them in relation to thought, but you are addressing to them this factor of these attachments and how strong they are and how important it is to be addressing to them to allow you that freedom to not succumb to them automatically and therefore also succumb to the aspects of them that are hindering and that block your choices. This is me now. For me it became expanding choice made volitionally rather than automatically. After 76 years I was able to disengage my autopilot and become captain of my own ship. I could literally breathe again. Back to Elias. In this, you may be addressing to and paying attention to associations, but you are also addressing to many of these attachments, and in a manner of speaking, dismantling or breaking down 
these attachments, therefore allowing yourself more freedom to enact your actual choices rather than generating actions automatically. You are intentionally generating actions, intentionally generating choices. Addressing to this situation and identifying the beliefs that are influencing of your perception. You shall allow yourself the ability to be, to be eliminating conflict and not recreating this type of situation in the future. This is me. Amen to this. Next heading is associations. The concept of associations is pretty straight. So I'll let Elias address it here. Associations, as I have expressed, are the evaluation that you generate in relation to any and every experience that you generate with the addition of a judgment, either good or bad, that the experience is a good experience, that it is a bad experience, and in that you evaluate in varying degrees, and that is the association that is attached to an experience with any given experience or subject matter that you have experienced you generate an association of whether it is good or bad whether it is comfortable or uncomfortable therefore your associations very much intertwine with attachments for example you generate an association with production Production itself is an attachment. Being productive, that is an expression that you have assumed to yourself. It is an idea. It is an action that you have assumed and applied to yourself in a specific capacity. Just as independence is an idea and an action that you have assumed and applied to yourself in a specific capacity. Now, you generate associations with those attachments in relation to your experiences with those attachments. Therefore, you can generate an association that being productive in a certain capacity is good or that being productive in that same capacity is not good. Therefore, you also measure yourself according to your association in relation to the attachment. Without the associations, the attachment is merely a concept that involves choices, whether you choose to participate with it or not. With the attachment and with the association that creates another layer of, attach of the attachment of what parts of the attachments are good and bad. End of chapter 13.